Our primary reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Would you listen now for the word of the Lord? And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay when I come back. Which of these three, do you think, proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this blessed privilege that you've given us to be present here today and be accounted for here at Parkside Presbyterian. We thank you, Father God, for Pastor Colin Kerr's friendship, his brotherhood that we share together in ministry and this congregation from receiving us within the community of faith. And we ask now, Lord, that your word will move forward today and that it would touch the hearts of those with love and compassion, but also would provoke all of us into action to do something tender, something good, something kind for not only this community, but for the community at large. And we pray this in Christ Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. Amen. You heard read into your hearing Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. Verse 36 says, and it asks the question, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell unto the robber's hands? And verse 37 says, 
And he said, the one who showed compassion to him, then Jesus says to him, go ye therefore and do likewise. Go ye therefore and do likewise. The thought I would like to share with you as we come together, this brief moment that we share in this preaching moment is, am I any different? Am I any different? That's a thought-provoking question because it should lure all of us into deciding whether or not we are the priest, whether or not we are the Levite, or if we are the Samaritan. Am I any different? There's a song I would like to share, just a brief part of it. In my culture, sometimes we say when we sing just a little piece, we sing a whole lot. So I'm going to sing just a little piece. And it's very short. But it may be one that you've heard, and I believe it's one that the Holy Spirit gave me to as we prepare to minister here this morning. The chimes of time ring out the news. Another day is through. Someone slipped and fell. And was that someone you? You may have longed for added strength, your courage to renew. Do not be disheartened. I have news for you. It is no secret what God can do. What is done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret. What God can do. Am I any different? You know, back in the days in the 60s and when I was coming up, there was an expression that says that Sunday would be the most segregated day of the week when it comes to our respective congregations being separate in fellowship, although we serve the same God. But times have changed. Just look around and see what God is doing in our community of faith. Irregardless of our cultural divides, our spiritual connection with God still rises. And today, he's gotten communities of faith to come together just to fellowship. Whether you are bond, whether you are free, whether you are Jew, Gentile, or what have you, God has allowed this moment to come together, Parkside. Jerusalem Baptist Church, and how much more can he do and will do in this community of faith that we share together? We've, God bless you, Pastor Kerr, my brother in Christ, as we continue the fellowship. It's been over two years now that we've been together, and God is working to work in the community. Nothing that I've done or anything that he's done of his own, but it's all to the glory of God. This is what the text is talking about today, about being a neighbor, and exercising what it means to be a neighbor is to be active in our faith, not to be partial and sit on the wayside, 
but to get involved. And that's the challenge question today is, are you any different today than you were yesterday concerning your neighbors? We'll meet a man who's an ordinary man whose name is not essential. His position in life, his family connections, or his financial status. We meet a man who was concerned enough to get involved. And after reading the text, we may understand why being why he's being willing to get involved is essential, why getting involved is important. We read the text that as Jesus now makes his final journey towards Jerusalem, he enters a village of Samaria. And while there, he spoke with his disciples and the 70 that he had made and that he had sent out, teaching them about the kingdom of God, being alert and as well as being prepared while talking to them a rich young ruler came, a learned man who intended to test Jesus by asking him a question concerning what is the cost of eternal life. In his exchange, Jesus reveals to him two critical concerns regarding the gospel truth. He tells this young man, to have what you want is going to cost you something. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and with all of your strength, but love your neighbor as you love yourself. Powerful words with lasting and eternal consequences. The idea of this text is, is that not only we are to just know who our neighbors are, but we are to love them as we love ourselves. Jesus knows more about our love for people than we think he knows. In just a few words, Jesus makes a profound statement. He says, to know who your neighbor is and to love them as you love yourself. Who is my neighbor, you might ask? Those nearest to you, those who are in need, those who are in your community, those who are in the hospital, those who are in jail, those who are on the streets, those who are in the crack houses, and those who are along the roadside of life, they are our neighbors. Jesus is teaching his disciples in the church that we must do more than seek comfort. We must be willing to get involved. He's challenging us to think outside the boxes of our intellectual institutions and the church and know that there are people out there along the roadside of life who are in need. Jesus was teaching that humility and the spirit of love and compassion are far greater assets than arrogance and the elitist attitude of the Pharisees and the lawyers. He not only tells a story that shows a lack of understanding on the part of those who were supposed to be wise, but he also tells a story on the one who's supposed to be the wisest of them all. This young lawyer was someone who was well-learned, well-versed. He knew the commandments, but was he actual a lover of his neighbors? Have you ever met someone who wanted you to see how learned they were? You ever met anybody like that? They got a whole lot of word. They know everything. As soon as you say it, they know it. But to the extent that they like the very thing that they were trying to convince you that they had. I met many people with a lot of word, but no work. When it's time to put, the, in the, in the, it, when it's time to put it into practice, what they are preaching, you can't find them because they're gone. In our text, it is evident that this man felt that his educational, his academic credentials, his family status merited him some sort of favor, and he unwillingly tried to trap Jesus into a meaningless discussion about being neighborly, 
but missing the part about love and compassion. As we look at this text, we can see that the real intentions of this young man was never about loving his neighbor, was never about being honor or honoring his neighbor, the true essence of the law. No, he was about himself. His real intentions were to test Christ, to justify himself. In verse 29, he says, and as one having insight, but as he quickly cited the schema, which is the law, and so to show his arrogance, he asked Jesus to define the word, who is my neighbor? Being omniscient, that means that Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus used the opportunity to teach him a lesson that distinguished between knowing something and, on the other hand, doing something about that which you already know. Transition into this is, in seeing his arrogance, Jesus told this young man that we are all spiritual beings needing love and compassion. However, for this to take place, he says that we, it must begin within our heart, with our soul, with our strength, and with all of our mind. That's when he said, love the Lord thy God with all your heart, mind, soul, and all of your strength. Jesus was teaching this young man a course in reverse psychology. Jesus assured that the lawyer, to the lawyer that he had given the correct answer but it was not about intellectualism or about rules or about the law, but it was about what's in our hearts and what are we going to do with it. The disciples began to marvel at who could be saved then upon hearing this. So Jesus gave them a parable of the Good Samaritan. He outlines the place, the time, the terrain, the victim, the suspects, and those who refused to get involved with the one who did. In our text, he uses the thought of the terrain. In the ancient roads to Jericho, to Jerusalem, it was about 20 miles long, and it dropped off some 3,000 feet in elevation. This rocky and mountainous terrain made it a perfect place for robbers to hide and waiting for unsuspecting travelers to come by. And so as this Jew came by, he see, we see that he had become a victim of opportunity. After being robbed and beaten and left to die, the priest and the Levite came by the same road and both passed by the man. One walked over and the other walked by. In those days, priests were regarded as the most highly men among Jews because they offered sacrifices in the temple and constantly kept the ritual purifications going on. And while the Levite, he was next in the holiness to the priests who served at the temple, both sects of men were highly regarded among their contemporaries, but they un and should have understood clearly what God's law required. Yet as wise and as learned as they were, Jesus pointed out that they lacked understanding and compassion regarding the most critical aspects of God's kingdom. And from that encounter, I hope to share with you three thoughts as we move forward. One is, some should, but don't. Some should get involved, but they don't. As we read this text, we see that the priest was the first to leave the temple, heading now home in the same direction as he saw the man who had been attacked, but he appeared to be in a hurry to get home. One might ask then, what was on his mind? Maybe it was he had a church matter he had been dealing with. Maybe he had a board meeting, Pastor Collins, that you had to deal with that caused your mind. Maybe you had a business meeting that had gotten out of hand and you're upset now. Maybe you had a bad day in the church, or maybe it was just his normal behavior to avoid others along the way of life, especially those who did not look like him. 
We don't know, but common compassion would compel most folks who love the Lord to render aid to anybody lying wounded as this man was, but the one who should have. We see he didn't do anything at all. He looked at the man, he walked by the man on the other side of the road, and he kept traveling towards his home. He did nothing to show love or compassion that that man or that that woman who were in standings of the Lord should render when they see someone in travail. The Bible tells us in Matthew 7 and 12, so whatsoever you wish that others would do to you, also do to them, for this is the law and the prophets. In Matthew 25 and 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you have done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you have done it also unto me. Surely this nobleman missed the mark, and he had failed to do what was right according to the things that he not only preached and taught, but those things that the law declared, declared that he was supposed to uphold. Because of his failure, he missed the opportunity to get involved. Can this be applied to any one of us in here today. How many of us have passed on the opportunity to help someone along the wayside of life? We must remember that getting involved is never easy, but every child of God under the sound of my voice is called to be ready when the need arises. To walk away and do nothing says a lot about who you are in Christ. Second thought is, some could but aren't willing to get involved. We had one who should have, but he didn't. Then we have some who could, but they aren't willing to get involved. In our text we read, then came along a Levite. He was a temple keeper. And in our sect, maybe he's in the Baptist faith. He might be the deacons or the trustee or some ministry leader. But he was leaving the temple and he too walked in the same direction, but he made a decision to go across the street. And to look at the man, and after seeing him, he did nothing. He continued on his way. He could have, but he didn't. Have you ever seen those people who have traveled a great length to see what's happening? Especially on if an accident occurred on the interstate and you know it's backed up a long ways. But by the, you want to get home in a hurry, but somehow when you get up there to the accident, you block traffic because you want to see what's going on. We have people who do that. They go to great lengths to see what's happening. Even if they can't do anything or unwilling to do anything about it, they just want to go and see what's going on. They just like to be onlookers and spectators. When the storm comes, they are the ones who go out to examine the damage in the eye of the storm. When the hurricane comes and the eye passes over, they leave home and they go out in the eye and then become a problem for first responders. I'm retired law enforcement, I know, because we get them out there, and then they call us to come get them out of the trouble. They're the ones who survey the damage, but even though they can't do anything about it, they're the ones who go out and get in the way. This Levite, this servant man, assistant to the pastor, takes the time to investigate, but he renders no assistance. Why is he interested, you think? Maybe he would be the first one to go and tell it. You ever met anybody like that? Something happened and you want to be the first one to get on the phone and go and tell it. Or maybe he wanted to see if he owed this man possibly a debt and because he's dead, it means that the debt now has been satisfied. 
One thing we do know for sure is that neither of the two, the priest nor the Levite, wanted to get involved. They had much more important things to attend to, but the truth is there are some things that we will not have time enough to run home to. God expects us to get involved. In Luke 9, 57 through 62, Jesus told the disciples about the cost of following him. He said, and as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man have no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. And he replied, Lord, first let me go home and bury my father. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back home and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no man who puts his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the service of the kingdom of God. And this is true for us today. To serve God faithfully will come with a price, but we must be the ones who are willing to pay that price. Both servants should have gotten involved, the Levite and the priest, but they didn't. They passed by. Can this also be said of you? Are you too busy? Do you have an appointment? Do you have something that you have to get home to in a hurry? And are you any different than these? That's the question. In our text, it tells us then the final is, is there's one who should not have, but he got involved. Jesus had already entered into Samaria and he found out that they were going to wanted to stone him to death because he had already been preaching a far doctrine towards them. They did not want to receive him as if to rush him out. But this man, a Samaritan, Jesus highlights in the text, he should not have gotten involved, but he did. In our text, it introduces the third unlikely character, a Samaritan, the least likely one whom the Jews were not so much as look at let alone talk to. He becomes the central figure of what it means to be willing to get involved. To the Jews, Samaritans were outcasts. They were viewed as dogs. Yet it was not a Jew helping a Samaritan, but it was a Samaritan who was helping a Jew, which violated the customs that Jews and Samaritans were not supposed to intersect or even mix together. And they ignored him. And Jesus says, if the lowliest in the eyes of the Jews can be a neighbor and a priest in the service to God, what about you and I? How often have you and I been so wrapped up in church activities and obligations that we have failed to take care of our neighbors and to show them the heart of Jesus Christ? As workmen and women of God, we must always be ready to expect the unexpected while being expected to respond in love and compassion regardless of who doesn't do it. We must be the ones who are willing to do it and not only do it, but give it our best. In our text, we see that this Samaritan did not hesitate to render aid. The Bible says that when he saw the man lying on the roadside, he didn't ask who he was. He didn't ask, who were your people? He didn't ask, where were you from? What church did you attend, Jerusalem or Parkside? He didn't ask, was it Reverend Beard or Reverend Kerr? He didn't ask where you were going or where you were coming from. No, he got off of his donkey. He got busy helping him because he knew there was a need. He used what he had in sacrificing his own needs for the sake of another. And this leads me to a question. How many of you are willing to say, 
for the sake of another, I am willing to do whatever it takes to render care and support to those who I don't even know and to do it to the glory of God. We're not told how much the end costs, but one thing we do know, that this Samaritan gave everything that he had. He gave two denarius, which means he gave two days' wages to support a man whom he did not know. And he said, charge the rest of me, and I will make it good on my return. Consider this. In a more relevant and personal way, Jesus reveals that we too need to act like the Samaritan. He was doing the very thing that Jesus required all of God's children to do. What was he doing, you ask? He was showing compassion. The least likely, but the likely one to get involved. He wasn't afraid to touch the unclean, nor to render aid. He gave his time, his possession, and his benefits to help the needy. While sacrificing himself for his personal care, he gave it to somebody else of another race. Yes, in this parable, Jesus exposed the self-righteousness of the young ruler and the scribes and the Pharisees as he was unable to give an honest reply to the question, which of these suppose were a good neighbor to the one who fell among the robbers? This man's arrogance, when you read the text, look at the arrogance of the man. He said, the one. He will not even call him by his name. He just said, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, go ye therefore. And you do likewise. Church, I ask you, which of these three do you believe were a good neighbor? If you say the one who showed mercy, I say to you, go and do likewise. Go out there and tell the good news. Go and do likewise. They tell them about a man who can clothe them when they're naked. Tell them about a man who can feed them when they're hungry. Tell them about a man who can give them water when they're thirsty. Tell them about a man who will visit them when they're sick. Tell them about a man who will come unto them when they are in prison. Yes, go and do likewise. Some people need to know that Jesus lives, Jesus saved, Jesus was born for such a time as this. And not only that, he is soon to come back and he's looking for the whosoever that will put their trust in him because he loves them and he cares for them. Yes, go and do likewise. Tell them the good news of a man who is able. Tell them a good, the good news of a man who has been proven and who can provide what you need. God has already got it and he'll give it to you. Don't just be the one to tell the story. Be the one who get involved. The story of the Good Samaritan offers two options for those of us in here today, hearing the word of God, receiving the word of God, you got two choices. You can hear and receive it and become a, and be called to action, and you can do something, or you can walk around on the other side and do nothing. But I pray that you're one of the ones today under the sound of my voice who's willing to get involved and willing to one to be different. Can we pray?
All right, Reverend Beard, are you ready for this? I don't know. I feel so honored. (laughs) I'm so excited about this. Okay. Hot seat. (laughs) I'll promise I'll only ask the easy ones, okay? We'll be gentle. It's your first time. (laughs) Thank you. How should we help those that are clearly in need but push our help away? But push our help away? Well, you know, and I believe that when you have closed hands, nothing can get into it. But you can pray for them, that God will give them a heart of compassion to receive the assistance that has been offered to them. And then maybe by then, then they could see that your love, your um, approach to them is genuine and sincere, not one of judging. That's a beautiful answer. Thank you. Thank you. How do we move past a scarcity mindset when it comes to helping folks with our resources? As Christians, as those who believe in Jesus Christ, I believe if we adopt the, uh, the teachings of Christ, that we model ourselves in the image of Christ as the light, then I believe that will help us to uh, move forward. If we um, try to do it on our own strengths and do it on our own schemes, like this lawyer, he thought from his level of intellectualism, he made it about him, but not about really about helping and loving his neighbor. So if we develop the mindset of Christ and try to operate or to fulfill those precepts that Christ wants us to, I think we can uh, move beyond that. All right, last one. (laughs) In this very busy culture, what are some ways we can slow down and notice people in need? Well, we can do like Pastor Kerr did when he uh, sent out his, his list of preachers, pastors in the community. I responded sort of skeptically because I, you know, I'm the new pastor at Jerusalem too. And so, but I'm, but my intent was to be involved in the community. And when we met, he came over to my office and we talked about, he asked, what were we doing? And I shared with him what we were doing. And he said, can we partner with you? And I'm like, as long as you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit and his word, you are right with me. Let's get her done. And as for those of you who may be aware or not aware, we partner together in ministry and our food distribution, and we take care of the needs of the community and those without. And we've been doing it now for a little over two years. So Parkside, give yourself a hand clap of praise for having a pastor who wants to partner with us in this community. Thank you. And if you're interested in getting involved with that, please let us know. We're always looking for more volunteers, especially on Friday mornings, to help unload those trucks. And you aced our Q&A round. Thank you so much.